awesome. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews, please. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8, I'd like for us to read verse number 6 and verse number 7. The title of my sermon this morning, and we'll lead on into this evening, is that Jesus Christ is best. He is best. And note here in verse number 6 leading to verse number 7, Hebrews chapter 8, the Bible reads, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Let's bow for prayer. Oh God, thank you for the reminder this morning that we need to trust and obey. And Lord God, we pray as we spend these few moments in study, I pray that you will teach us, guide us, and may we trust and obey your eternal principles. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray, Amen. The whole purpose of the book of Hebrews is to establish the fact that Jesus Christ is all in all. He is superior. To have Christ is to have all. And the book of Hebrews is addressing, in its immediate context, uh, Jewish believers that are struggling for one reason or another. And God is emphasising within this book the fact that to know Christ and to live for Christ uh, that is superior than anything. And uh, we as God's people need to be mindful, we need to be reminded of that very fact. To have Christ is to have all. To know him personally as our saviour and to live within his principles is the life abundant that the Lord Jesus made reference to. He said, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. And as we've been ploughing our way through this wonderful book, God is stressing to these Hebrews that you are not missing out uh, in putting aside Judaism. But to have Christ is to have all, because Christ is superior than the prophets. He's superior than the angelic beings. He's superior than Moses. He's superior to Aaron. He is our superior high priest. And that is the emphasis of chapters 5, chapter 7, chapter 8. And that's where we're at at the moment. Now you have to bear in mind that Judaism encompasses uh, largely the uh, uh, ceremonies and rituals that you would perform in being a Jew. And you could imagine that for many of these Jewish believers to set that all aside and to live biblically following Jesus Christ, who is that promised Messiah, it was very difficult for them. 
And therefore, as a result, many were struggling. In chapter 7, we noted the fact that Jesus Christ is our rightful high priest. He qualifies, because note there in chapter 7, verse 26, that he is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And as we move into chapter 8, we note that Jesus Christ is our superior high priest. Within Judaism, there was a, a great respect for the office of a priest, let alone the high priest. Uh, it was uh, a position of awe. And Jesus Christ is our superior high priest and he stands out. He comes from the order of Melchizedek. He doesn't come from the line of Levi and he has an eternal priesthood. And what he offers is far better than anything that uh, Judaism or the Levitical priesthood could possibly offer. And that is spelled out there in verse number 6. It talks about a more excellent ministry by how much also He, that is Jesus Christ, is the mediator of a better covenant. A better covenant, a new covenant that takes over the old. A better covenant with better promises. Note then verse number 6. A better covenant which was established upon better Promises. So Jesus Christ provides better service. He provides a more excellent ministry. So the chapter begins here, chapter 8, by spelling out that Jesus Christ is superior to the Levitical priesthood. And he is rightfully our great high priest for those of us that are of the household of faith. And I trust that you are of the household of faith. He's superior in his position. There in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 8, he is seated at the right hand of, of, of the heavenlies. Then in verse number 3, it makes reference that he has uh, presented himself as that ultimate sacrifice. And then in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 8, God spells out to us that what took place within the Old Covenant the rituals and the ceremonies within Judaism and the worship of God within the Old Testament economy was just a shadow, was a picture of something greater to come. And that's why we have reference to a better covenant here in chapter 8, that Jesus Christ is superior. What he offers is far better. It is best. And you and I need to move on and follow Christ fully. And as God was exhorting these Hebrew believers, uh, no need to look over the fence and envy that temple and those sacrifices because you have something far superior in the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm afraid that many of God's people are, are, are guilty of the same, looking over the fence. Maybe I'm missing out in living this Christian life. No, you are not. To have Christ is to have all and to live for Christ and to honour Christ is to live life abundantly. A more excellent ministry, a better covenant established upon better promises.
a better way. And you and I need to understand and appreciate this. That's why God is trying to spell out to us in the remainder of this chapter why Jesus Christ is superior, why He is best. Now before we note those principles in detail, I'd like for you to consider the word covenant. It's important that we understand the word covenant. The old covenant is in reference to Judaism and all the rituals and the ceremonies that surrounded Judaism. What Jesus Christ offers is what's referred to here within the book of Hebrews as a new covenant. What is this new covenant? Well, let's answer the question, what does the word covenant mean? The word covenant means a cutting, to cut, to slice. You might be familiar with the term to... um, to cut a deal, Um, a covenant. A covenant is established on the grounds of a sacrifice. So God rightfully and accurately uses this new standing we have in Christ as and refers to it as a new covenant, a new cutting, a new deal. A covenant is established upon the grounds of a sacrifice. That sacrifice representing the death of the maker of the covenant if the agreement is not kept. So it is a blood sacrifice. It is a very serious issue to make a covenant. And when God offers to you and I a new covenant, God has been very serious with us. Now it's illustrated there in Genesis chapter 15 where God made a covenant with Abraham. Go to Genesis chapter 15. And note this illustrated for us very clearly. Genesis chapter 15. Back in Genesis chapter 12, God had promised Abraham a land. And here in chapter 15, he affirms that promise with a covenant, a blood covenant. Here in Genesis chapter 15, note then verses 9 and 10. If you go back to verse number 8, we might as well read verse 8 to 10. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? So God has promised to Abraham that I'm going to give you a land and I'm going to make you great. And Abraham is asking the question, the logical question, the reasonable question, uh, God, what, what, what confirmation do I have that you will do what you said you will do? 
Good question. Pretty bold to ask it of God, but a good question. And God honoured that question. So we have the establishment here of a covenant. Now note then verse 8. Whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Let's read on verse 9. And he said unto him, God speaking to Abraham, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she, a female goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Verse 10. And he took took unto him all these. And then God went on to say, and divide them in the midst, slice them in two, straight down the middle. And laid each piece one against another. But the birds divide he not. So take these animals, slice them in two. Put half on the one side, half on the other side. Put one of the birds on this side, another bird on that side. And being sliced in two, what would flow from these corpses? Blood. Blood would flow between. Let's read on. Look at verse 17 and 18. And note how God gave Abraham a promise. He made a covenant with Abraham. Note then verse 17 and 18. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold a smoking furnace and a bright lamp that passed between those pieces. And in the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, Under thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt under the great river, the river Euphrates, and so on. So God manifested himself, and he walked in the midst of the sliced animals. He walked through, literally, in a sense, he walked in the blood that flowed from those animals. And with the Old Testament economy, within Judaism, if you were making a covenant with somebody and you were prepared to commit to it, then you would do likewise. So what happens here is that God promised to Abraham a land. And and Abraham said, how are you going to prove that? How do I know that this is really going to come true? Abraham takes some animals, slice them in two, put them on either end. As the blood flows, I will walk my feet through the blood. And the blood is upon my life if I don't keep the promise. That is a covenant. And uh, that's what God has made with us. He has given to us a new eternal covenant. 
and it is guaranteed in the blood. It is guaranteed with the blood. The blood of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. So God promised Abraham a land. God manifested himself and he walked through the blood. And with that, Abraham knew God is serious and God will keep his word. There are a number of covenants in the Bible. Here within the book of Hebrews, we make reference to the first covenant or the old covenant as opposed to the new covenant that is mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 8. The covenant referred to as the old covenant or the first covenant was conditional and temporary. It was a covenant that was given to Moses for his people. The covenant of the law as we refer to it. The promises of that covenant were conditional upon the fulfilment of the terms that God had given to his people. It offered life to those that kept the law, Exodus chapter 19. From Exodus 19 all the way to Exodus 31 we have that old covenant summarized. It contains the commandments, Exodus chapter 20, in which were expressed the righteousness of God and the righteous will of God. In chapter 21 of Exodus we have the, uh, the judgments governing principles for God's people and how to live. And then from chapters 24 to 31 of Exodus, we have all the ordinances dealing with the religious life of the nation of Israel. So these elements made up the law, the old economy, the old covenant. From Exodus 19 to 31. And the religious system of Israel embraced this by a covenant. And here we have in Hebrews chapter 8 where God tells us that Jesus Christ is superior and he offers a more excellent ministry. It is a better covenant. It is a new covenant resting upon better promises. So the covenant referred to as this new covenant stands in complete contrast to the Mosaic covenant given to the Jewish people. For the new covenant promises something better. The old covenant, the Mosaic covenant was conditional. If you did this, this will happen. If you did this, this will happen. But the new covenant is unconditional. It is, it is inherited in the person of Jesus Christ and because of his shed blood. So God is trying to spell out to these Hebrew believers what you have in Christ is far better than what you had in Judaism. And Christian, let me remind you what you have as a Bible-believing Christian is better, is best 
compared to whatever the world could ever offer you. Amen. But why is it possible for a genuine better way, the best way, comes along and we refuse it? Why is that? Why is it possible for a genuine better way, better product, better deal, comes along and we refuse to take it? Why is that? Could it be because we don't really understand that it is best? Possibly. Could be a knowledge issue. And that's what God is addressing here in the book of Hebrews. He's trying to enlighten and provide some knowledge to these Jewish Christians that what they have in Christ is superior so that they're without excuse. Or could it be that there are some hidden motives? And that's why we won't take that better way, better deal, that better product, because there are so, there's an agenda down below. Or could it be it's simply because we are stubborn? <laughs> we refuse to change. Pastor, don't confuse me with the facts. I've made up my mind. You won't admit that there's a better way, a better product. So it could be a stubbornness issue, it could be a heart issue in the sense that we're just, we don't want to change. Or it could be because we have a hidden agenda, a hidden motive. Or it might simply be because we just don't understand. We don't understand. And I'm afraid that because many of these Hebrew Christians were struggling to embrace fully New Testament Christianity and to let go of Judaism, the old covenant, God has to now spell out very clearly why this new covenant is better than the old. And why you and I as Bible-believing Christians need to move on from the old to the new. See, the word change is not a dirty word. It's a clean word. It's a pure word. Provided it is within the boundaries of the Word of God. And I trust you are changing for the better. You are changing and becoming more like Christ. Putting away the old and moving on to the new. So these Hebrews were some, you know, to give them the benefit of the doubt, lacking knowledge, not understanding, appreciating why the new covenant is better, why Christ is superior. Some might have um, uh, motives, 
They've got a hidden agenda. I know that's best, but not for me because I've got some plans. But for some, the issue is simply because we are stubborn. We don't want to change. So let's note some of the benefits of this new covenant. And I want to continue to draw the application for you and I as Bible-believing Christians that Jesus Christ is best. And all of God's people said, Jesus Christ is best. He is the better way. And could it be that Some of your ways, my ways, are not the best way. Talk to me. And God is saying, come on now, it's about time you get, you jump over and you do it the best way. And put away the old way. Just like God said that to his people, The Mosaic Covenant, the Old Covenant, served the purpose, but it had its shortcomings. But Jesus Christ has no shortcomings. He is the the same yesterday, today and forever. He is our eternal Saviour and Lord. And we need to move on to Jesus Christ who is best, the better way. The Old Covenant had its shortcomings, its faults. This is my first main point this morning. Note then verse 7. For if that first covenant had been faultless, the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Law, had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second That's obvious. So if the old covenant was perfect and can do the job, well, there's no need for a second. But God is saying, there is a new covenant, there's a need for it because the first had its shortcomings. Now listen to me carefully. The old covenant was not faulty in itself. Because God ordained it. Exodus 19 to 31. But it it did fulfill the purpose for which it was intended. To quicken our minds and to convict us of our sin and of our shortcomings and of our need of something greater in Jesus Christ. So the Old Covenant was not faulty in itself, but it was faulty in that it could not take away man's sin and give the guilty conscience peace and forgiveness. But as Galatians chapter 3 reads, it is our schoolmaster to bring you and I unto Christ by faith. So it had its shortcomings. 
It wasn't faulty in and of itself. It served a purpose, but it is our guide to something better, which is Jesus Christ. So all of the laws and rituals that are spelled out from Exodus 19 to 31 in detail are to reflect and to teach man that he cannot be justified by, before God in his own strength. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when you and I realise that we are unworthy and we cannot gain God's approval in our own strength, we are ripe for salvation. And my friend, are you prepared to admit the shortcomings of your way to gain God's approval. The Ten Commandments spelled out in Exodus 20 reveal very clearly that we are all sinners. Oh, but pastor, I'm not that bad. Yes, you are. You're a wicked, vile sinner before a holy God. And just those Ten Commandments reveal that very fact. So the law condemns. Therefore, we can't be justified by our own works. We need something greater. We need something beyond us. And that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is greater than all our sin. He died in our place. And he offers forgiveness by a better way, which is grace via faith alone. In Ephesians chapter 2, please. We often quote it, but don't look at the verses often enough. Ephesians 2, note this, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, within Judaism, a Hebrew would endeavour to try to attain righteousness by obeying codes and laws. But in all of that, it revealed their shortcomings. Man cannot be justified by works. So there has to be a better way. And my friend, that better way is Jesus Christ. And my admonition to you and I this morning, if you have yet to receive Jesus Christ as your own personal Saviour, He is the better way. He said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. Are you prepared to admit the shortcomings of your religion? and turn to Jesus Christ who is the way, who is the truth, who is the life. And that only means to God the Father. He is the better way. He is the best way. It's been well said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I've learned the hard way. I'm sure you have as well. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if it's broke, it needs to be fixed. And religion is broke because you and I cannot earn our own merit before God. If you and I have the attitude, well, 
Pastor, I'm doing it my way. My friend, you can try to do it your way, but you will fall short of the glory of God. Because there's something greater. His name is Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, was buried and rose again. And if you will repent and by faith receive him as Saviour, you can experience the grace of God. Be born again. See, the old economy had its shortcomings, its faults. Jesus Christ is superior. And God is saying to the Hebrew Christians, hey, we wouldn't be introducing to you a new covenant if the first one was flawless. We wouldn't be doing that. It was not faulty in itself, but it was faulty in that it could not provide forgiveness, complete forgiveness. So I'd like to encourage you in application, child of God, that you and I as his people need to consider what is best. For example, what is best when it comes to my finances? What is best to what is the best way to care for my finances? Well, number one, honour God with your tithes and offerings. Number two, budget. 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 To the dollar. Yeah. Budget to the dollar. That's Bible. Proverbs 6. Amen. And thirdly, contentment. Contentment. Be content with such things as you have. You have food and raiment, I'm happy. Amen. A car's a bonus. A house is a bonus. Praise God, I've got food, I've got clothing. Glory to God. I've got more than what most of the world has. That is good financial advice. Oh, but Pastor, I'm doing it my way. You know, I'm stingy. That's just how we do it. Well, there's a better way. My Bible tells me, given it shall be given unto you. God's never blessed stinginess. That's selfishness. We're stewards of what God gives to us. Best. Look at verse number 8 of Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8, 8. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So God spells out why this new covenant is best. Number one, because the old covenant had its shortcomings. And number two, because God promised something better. That should be enough. If God tells us it's better, it's better. Why is it that we are so slow to get the point? 
And this new covenant was promised. The writer quotes from Jeremiah chapter 31. Quickly, let's go to Jeremiah chapter 31. I'm almost done. I'll be done within an hour. Oh, good, you're awake. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 31. Isaiah, Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So this is a direct quote out of Jeremiah This new covenant was promised, so the writer quotes from Jeremiah 31, where God promised a new covenant to Israel. In this new covenant, Gentiles are not excluded, but they can benefit from this new covenant. This new covenant began at Calvary in the person of Jesus Christ, who not only died, was buried and rose again. And upon his ascension, he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he intercedes on our behalf and this better covenant resting upon better promises is something that God has promised us, beloved. Better promises. See, to receive Jesus Christ as Saviour by faith is to have the assurance of life eternal because Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life and ye shall never perish. Nothing shall ever separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. But if your salvation is based upon what you can do, there's no guarantee. How do you know when you've done enough? To warrant God's blessing. But my friend, there's a better way. It is Jesus Christ. He has done it all. He died, was buried and rose again. God commended His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you will receive Him as Saviour, it is the best way because in Christ you and I have eternal life. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible doesn't teach might be saved shall be saved. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Better promises. The new covenant rests in better promises. Why would we hesitate to take on a better way if it promises so much more. It would be almost irresponsible to be offered two products. And this product here offers A to Z in benefits. This product here offers A to D in benefits. And this product that offers A to Z in benefits is affordable, is available. Not rocket science to work it out. And my friend, why would you ever 
think that it is wiser to rest in your own works to gain God's approval as opposed to just accepting what Christ has done for you. Because it's a new covenant based on better promises. Why would you and I hesitate to take on a better way? The promise is so much more. Now, some of you that are old, you remember the old mobile phones. Remember? Late 80s, the first mobile phone. Motorola. The size of a brick. Remember that? I kid you not. The size of a brick. That was the first mobile phone. Now, if that was available today, again, against a smartphone that you can take pictures with, you can do all sorts of things with, even some things that you shouldn't be doing with, You're not going to go back to the Motorola. Or if you happen to have a Motorola that was still working and somebody offered you a smartphone, no, 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 I'm, I'm right. Quite. That'd be senseless. That'd be ridiculous. So why is it that you and I as Bible-believing Christians, God has offered us all these promises, why would we not just live according to God's way? And thereby we can reap His promises. See, the old covenant had its shortcomings. And God promises something better. And tonight we're going to continue and study verses 9 and onwards. And note some other reasons why this new covenant is better. And why in application Jesus Christ is best. And all of God's people said, I knew you'd say amen, but do you live that way? Of course we're going to say Jesus Christ is best. But how do you live? How do I live? You're still hanging on to your Motorola. Let's move on. Let's live for Christ because His way is best because His ways are based upon better covenants, established in better promises. Jesus Christ is best. And God, listen to me, I'm almost done. Look at me here. Jesus Christ wants what's best for you. Let me say it again. Jesus Christ wants what's best for you. And he has what's best for you and I here. Right here. Pastor's pretty narrow. Oh, it's broad enough. Right here. But you and I need to move on 
take note of the new covenant based upon better promises and live accordingly. Just like these Hebrews needed to move on. And maybe some of you, listen to me, some of you need to move on. You're not living as you should. You're not living the best way. I challenge you. Live best and you'll enjoy life to the full. And all God's people said, let's bow for prayer. Let's stand. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you for your attention this morning. I trust I haven't lost you in the course of our little sermonette this morning.